You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Welcome to episode 76 of the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with my co-host, Adi Bulubasis and Costa Levo Yanis. I am back after a bit of a hiatus. I'll maybe tell you about it later. Uh, if you have any questions for me in the chat about anything that has happened in football the last week or so, I've not had the opportunity to rant about it. So maybe we'll get to that at some point uh, today. But uh, until then, Adi's got some housekeeping for us. So Adi, I'll let you get into that. Absolutely. Peter, like we said, you're doing PhD things. That's that's Dude, Adi, no, about. no, my computer. Okay, I'm, we're going to do, do it now. Okay, story time, <laughs> folks. Um, Sunday evening, I've just finished editing the podcast and getting it ready for release, doing the chapters for YouTube, doing some coding. It's what I do a lot for my, my degree, you know, late in the hours doing some code. My computer gives me the blue screen of death. Ready? Okay, so blue screen of death turns off. I'm like, oh, boy. It's happened a couple times before. Usually it just turns back up on. So I'm like, okay, not too bad. I turn it back on and it says, please install an operating system. And that's all it says. <laughs> it says you don't have an operating system installed. So my computer's dead. The mem It's all gone. Everything's gone. Uh, for a whole week, I don't have a computer. I tried to go live. If you watch the video for the midweek episode live, you'll see me at the beginning on my phone. And then the connection is so bad because my phone can't handle it that I have to leave. Guys, the Super League like <laughs> came and went in the time that it took for my computer to ship. And I didn't get to talk about it at all. All this stuff happened. I didn't get to talk about it. Like I wrote a blog, but that's about it. Anyway, like I, I've been like at war with technology all week. It's been a rough one for me, but um, shout out to the U University of Alberta Biological Sciences Department for funding a new computer for me. And uh, we are back. Anyway, Adi, I'll let you get into your, uh, your spiel now. Well, Peter, we're glad to have you back. Now, back to the housekeeping. Uh, Olympiacos DC Academy, everyone, if you watch the game, tough loss over the weekend. They lost 3-2 to two to AC Commonwealth. Game started off pretty well. They were up one nothing. It, uh, AC Commonwealth equalized, and they were up 2-1. to one. And then in like the last 10 minutes of the game, they just eat two goals, barely lose. But you know what? Boys need to pick their heads up. They have another game coming up against Shore Sports FC, first game of the month of May, and that'll be at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So it's a little bit later than the games have normally been, but check it out. You can also watch a replay of the live stream. Go to the libiacosdc.com site under the UPSL tab, watch the replay. And guys, there were a lot of people watching, and I know it's a lot of our audience because I've watched every game and I've seen the views go from 20 to 30. Now when the game ends, I see oh, like sometimes over 150 people have watched the game. Thank you guys so much for supporting the Libiacos DC Academy. They need all the support they can get. Everything for our future. And 
check it out because maybe you'll see a couple players that may have the grease this summer. Uh, additionally, stay tuned because we told you there was a surprise and that surprise will be coming towards the end of the episode. So stick around and you'll see what it is. Uh, lastly, uh, at the conclusion of the season, we're going to be hosting our first annual award show. This is something we plan on doing at the end of every season. Very exciting stuff. So we're going to be recording live on May 23rd, same time we normally do. And uh, more details will come for that. Uh, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be a live award show. We're hoping that we can uh, have something fun planned where the fans and the audience, you guys can engage with us as well on picking the, the awardees of everything. And just as well, uh, we're still sort of brainstorming some ideas for this. If anyone has any ideas for a funny name of an award show, Fetanos, I'm looking at you. You usually come through with some some good uh, good ideas here. If anyone has an idea for funny names, DM us, Gate7INTL, and we might use your name if we don't come up with anything else. Um, we're going to make this really fun, guys. I'm really, really excited for this. Uh, get the fans involved, like Adi said. It's going to be a great way to finish off the season after uh, a very... <laughs> I'm sorry, Fetanos. He says, I don't perform under pressure. Take your time, lad. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but it's been a boring end to the season. It has to be said. Uh, these games are honestly like, we'll get into the game, but they're just not super fun to watch. So we're really excited to have this award show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure to tune in on May 23rd. And before we get started, we always have to do the ad read. Thank you to our sponsor, Price International. Price International has been helping Greek ship to and from the motherland during COVID-19. Shipments to Greece are going out of Baltimore every month. Fill any large U-Haul box, 18 by 18 by 24, and send it to our friends in Baltimore. It'll be shipped to the Port of Piraeus for only $50. Better yet, fill any large wardrobe box and send it for $100. Give them a call for $50. 410-675-4696 or send an email sales at piraeusintl.com. Now, before we get on into the post-match with Ike, there was some hilarious scenes from the earlier games. Go ahead, Costa. <clears throat> I just wanted to say there was something I wanted to talk about before we get into Ike, but uh, sorry, I didn't want to jump the gun. Go ahead. I'll come back to it. So the if for those of you that watched the Bonathinaikos Balk game, which was the first game of the day, uh, there was some hilarious scenes, starting with the well. It wasn't really a disallowed goal, but more more like the ref didn't play advantage, which should have <laughs> which should have led to the goal. Uh, Fetanos in the comments is saying we Finns don't claim the referee. Was the ref finish? I didn't see in the beginning when they should. Oh my god. The the oh my god the conspiracy theories you see guys Fetano planted that ref there purposefully to screw over Panathinaikos it wouldn't be surprised me to see that come up because some of the conspiracies from the Panathinaikos fans have been hilarious but again going back to the play uh, there was uh, uh, I, I'm for, I'm completely oh Liratsis kicked I forgot who it was like in the leg and the ref played the advantage. And the, the, the winger at the time, I don't think it was Mauricio. I forgot who it was. But he's playing the ball. And he's running down, running down. After he gets fouled, ref's playing advantage. Then he plays the ball uh, to the striker. And the striker gets the ball. And the ref calls the play dead when he shoots the ball and scores. 
And it shouldn't have been, it should have been a goal. He should have let play go until it, something happened. And he, and he basically discounts what should have been a clean goal. Then in the post-match, Bologna was off his rocker in the post-match interview. Oh, my God. Complaining about the foreign refs. He said that he wants Greek refs because they're better. Uh, even made a joke that, you know, we're bringing in all these different refs. Pretty soon we're going to be bringing refs in from Mongolia. Uh, blamed the refs for the lost points he had in, in the previous weeks. Uh, crazy. And then Garcia, Garcia, you know, flips, you know, when he comes on and basically blames the draw on the fact that there's fatigue and that he had to rest his important players, AKA Zivkovic and Viarinha in the beginning. Viarinha did come on as an impact sub later on. Uh, and he said that, you know, because he rested them and they have fatigue, they're looking to the cup. They, you know, they weren't in a position to, to, to get the, the win despite having some decent chances. Hilarious stuff, guys. I was dying. Maybe, uh, maybe Pauk should have been good enough to win the league already. Maybe they, then they wouldn't have to worry about fatigue. Um, also, Zagorakis, if you're listening to this, can you like find a ref from Mongolia and like bring, I, the, I know they exist, they're out there. Find a ref from Mongolia and bring them in for the next fun of the Nikos game. Or Azerbaijan. <laughs> he brought up Azerbaijan. Too, I need to so. see the look on Bolognese's face. Just like a ref with like a little Mongolia flag patch or something on his shirt, like would be legendary. I don't know where he gets the idea that Greek refs are like, no offense to like Greek refs. I don't actually know if Greek refs are better or worse, but I don't know where he gets the idea that they're like supreme reigning over the refs of other countries. Also like, we we've been through this before, Bologna. Like the Greek refs uh, don't exactly help facilitate fairly played matches in the past. Um, so maybe we don't especially want in, derbies. in derbies. Especially yeah, in derbies, yeah. So maybe Bologna like figure a few things out and then then talk after that. But that's all I have to really say there. Hilarious <laughs> comments yet again. I'm looking forward to what the bald eagle Dasos Gakos is going to have to say on Open TV. The uh, un, un, unpaid, unpaid expert on Open TV, Dasos Gakos. We need more refs from Finland. That was a great call. Can't wait. Can't wait. I can't wait. And that was that's the thing, Peter. We were talking in the group chat. Like, do your research, man. You're 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 coaching a team in this league, and you're playing in these derbies. Learn why this decision was made, first of all, because some of the, the refereeing by Greek refs has been egregious, which is why we got to this point. Now, he did make a fair point that, you know, the Greek refs in the playoffs, he thought, had been doing a much better job than the foreign refs. But once those Greek refs start refing the derbies, that's where the problems come in. So, again, Bologna, learn the context first before you start running your mouth. But that's what he does, man. He runs his mouth first before he thinks. Love it. Hilarious stuff. Uh, anyway, Costa, I know uh, I know you had something that you wanted to get into before we got into post-match. There was um, an interesting development earlier in the week uh, that related to Dasos Duvikas. Dasos Duvikas transferred his, uh, his transfer to Utrecht. So the deal has been, it's gone through from Olibia, uh, well, sorry, Volos, formerly Olibiagos Volos. Uh, he's gone to Utrecht for 1 million. The deal has been closed, but that's not the interesting news. The interesting news is that Volos put out a statement and in the statement it says, you know, um, the deal is complete, but we wanted to sell him to Pauk, but we respected the players, uh, the players' wishes. Just, just hold on for a second. Volos puts out a statement and says, we wanted the player to go to Pauk, 
Who's ever seen that before? Never. I've not even in Mongolia. You don't see that in anywhere. Could you nope. imagine? Could you imagine? Aris has a top Greek talent, and we're looking at him, and the papers are talking about it. And then you know, Aris, uh, Aris sell him to to Willem, and they put out a statement saying we sold uh, Kavlieroglu or whatever his name is to Willem, but we wanted to sell him to Olympiakos. Could you imagine the shitstorm? Why is nobody like blinking at this? Because it's not Olympiakos. Um, exactly. I mean, so I'll, I'll say my thoughts. First of all, Costa, you may you may have been able to tell by my reaction to that, but I did not know this before yeah. the uh, before you said it. Um, if I'm going to put my my feet in the shoes of a Pauk fan, what I would say is, oh, maybe they meant that Pauks gave a better offer, um, but. I also think that it's incredibly like stupid of them to say that. And it also, I also would find it hard to believe Pauk would put in a better offer than 1 million because 1 million for Duvikas, I think is um, a decent bit, I would say. Um, also, Duvikas, I love you for not wanting to go to Pauk. <laughs> like, that's why I burst out in laughter. Like, what a legend, man. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> tiny, tiny club. Imagine playing for Volos and, like, still not wanting to play for Pauk. Like, Hilarious. oh, my God. And, I mean, Hilarious. and even from a, a, a neutral standpoint, like, I've said it before, guys, going to places like Holland or Belgium, like, is the best thing for players like Duvikas. It has to be said. Um, look at how much better Vrusai has gotten. Chimikas, uh, like we've said it a million times, like playing in Greece, playing for Pablo Garcia, playing against Lamia is not going to help your development as a player. Like it has to be said. Um, so in the interest of the ethniki, uh, in the interest of Greek football, the national team becoming good again and having a top striker and Duvikas really does have that potential. I love the move. I really do. I hope he blossoms into a great player. Um, I don't. What 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 else can we say about this? Like comment from Volos. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, now that and, he's gone, now that he's gone to Holland, that means that in a couple of years' time, he can come to us if he becomes good. Hey, there you go. Through. Yep. And before we move on to the post match, there were a couple of comments that I thought were kind of funny. Uh, Roman Smirnidis, diplomatic tension between Mongolia and Finland for who's going to send the refs to Greece. <laughs> send them all to everybody at the Nikos game, please. I want to hear Boloni. I want to hear him whine all the time. Then another one from G. Kotsias. Imagine if this happens with Marinakis, we would have a parliament session. You're not wrong, man. You are not wrong. Uh, and then Kosas Kronopoulos Gate Seven Forever is magic. Thank you. Yes, uh, every everything that is done uh, is magical. Anything related to Gate Seven, we love it. Now let's get into post match, boys. This game was a bit of a struggle in the first half, uh, but you know things got better. Guys, ah oh, man, we've said it before. Like. These games are a struggle to watch. Like Nova Sports, you know, um, we had talked about the Nova Sports World Package. You can pay money to get really good quality streams of all the Greek games, but they're asking for more money for the playoffs. And I'm going to be honest, like I'm not paying money to watch these games. I'd pay money to have a lot of things before I would pay money to watch these games. I'm going to take the illegal stream and suffer because like, 
these games are just it has to be said they're just boring for Olympiacos are it's it's like half the players on the pitch you know their their minds are on next season as they should be um and the other half uh are are Tiago Silva and people who are not really that good and just playing for no reason um Tiago Silva played all right today but um it's just like I I can't really with these games uh, chat. We're going to need you to drive the conversation here because, you know, if you have any talking points you want to hear about, I know probably about 75 people are going to ask whether we should keep Bruma or not. And I'm sure we'll talk about him. <laughs> and Chumich, people are going to ask about Chumich. They always do. <laughs> um, I do have one thing. One thing that really bugged me about this game. Ike are our VIP Pelatas. Okay. This season they are, you know, that's when, when you go into like a retail store, like Saks, like the high end ones, and you have like your platinum tier customers. Ike are our platinum tier Pelates. Costa uh, Papa Dimitriou, yes. Yes, they are. They're our platinum tier Pelates, guys. So can somebody explain to me why we couldn't have one academy kid on the bench for our best Pelates? Come on now. This is this is getting ridiculous. This is getting absolutely ridiculous. We're not asking to play our B squad, all of them, which well, we, we played a lot of them today. We're asking for one academy kid, Solis, to see some minutes, not 90 minutes, some minutes. I don't think it's too much to ask. I feel like all of our episodes are just like the same. We just do the same thing now. Like it is. Well, it's why don't we play the young players, Bruma? Like rant about Pauk, wrap up. Like, <laughs> it, but it's it's just these are the storylines that are left. Like all season, we've been saying like, oh, it's going to be so nice to wrap the league up early, so we can see Surlis and all these players, and like then we don't see them at all. And actually, we were talking about this, and Lambro was talking about this in the chat. Um, and you know, maybe this is something that we can discuss. Should the should the format of the Super League be uh, be changed? Should the playoffs be thrown away? Now, of course, um, proponents of the playoff system say that it's more big games towards the end of the season. Of course, um, Lambro was saying, you know, when you play the when you play Ike every day, it's it means less, and you know, I I don't. Uh, it certainly means less when the fans are in the stands. I would say so. Maybe like it it feels that way this year because you know it there aren't any fans. Um, but also, I mean, like in a selfish interest of Olympiacos, like I would love to be playing Lamia right now. That might actually give us a chance of seeing young younger players. Like I feel like as as adverse uh, Martins is, we might actually see Sorlis in that case. But we got all the Lamia games over with when we hadn't won the league yet. So uh, we unfortunately didn't get to do that. I'm with Lambro on this. I hated the old playoff system. Um, so, Peter, I know you weren't really watching Greek soccer back then, but... Before this, there used to be a playoff system. Even back then, we were like the only league in Greece that did it. And I hated it back then, too. Uh, and then they got rid of it. We had 16 teams in the league. Uh, well, actually, I think it was 18 at one point. Then they reduced it to 16 teams. Uh, and then they reduced it again so that they could have this playoff structure. For me, the best is the I, I prefer the 16-team structure. And no playoffs. I, I'm sorry. It's it's a joke. I don't like. I don't want to deal with this. And it does. Think about it. You know, in, even dealing with the cup, you realize we we are going to play. Uh, assuming we we do get past Yanina, right? We don't screw that up. 
We will we will play either Ike or Falk six times this season. That is ridiculous. It's too much. I'm not. Uh, I I can't. I it's it's gonna wear for me. It's gonna wear the derbies down because I you know as much as I love playing against Balk and beating them like six times, it's ru- it does ruin the magic. Uh, Eleftherios Machinis, hello brothers from Kos Island. Hey, one of my neighbors from Kalimno. Love it. What's up? Anyway, go on, Peter. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say, um, yeah, I mean, I think you're you're kind of spot on, Adi. Um, and I think maybe Costa, I, I think it was maybe Costa who said this in the chat. Like maybe it is different if there are fans. Um, I, I don't know, Costa, if you want to elaborate, but it's, it's like, TV revenues as well, guys. I mean, look, it's well, a league of, yeah. it's a league of yeah. 14. They're not, I mean, you our Libya, because we were averaging, I think, 22 or 24,000 attendants last year. That's pretty damn good. It ha- wasn't like that some years ago. Under Pedro Martins, like the average attendance has been has been above 20,000 the last couple of years because the football has been has been good. Like depend uh, doesn't matter who we play, like the spectacle's been good, so the fans have been going. The season tickets have been selling out every year. So and there's not a lot of money in Greek football, guys. So you need more matches, like 14 games in, in one round, 28 overall. You're going to end the season in, in March. Like, I mean, I, I understand the point that you kind of lose a little bit the magic of playing the derbies once at home, once away, and then you get to see them in the cup again. But but for what Greek football is and the money that's involved, um, and, and looking at the financial situation of these clubs as well, you need more matches. So yeah. I think that that's that's kind of my my main point here. And uh, and I think it is different with fans. It's like we play Olympiakos, Panathinaikos, Olympiakos, Pauk, Olympiakos, Aig, and the reverse fixtures. Like when when they play away, they fill out the stadiums. I think it's good for the I think it's good for the finances. Yeah, I think well, one thing and the fans, of course. There's two other big things also, the reason why they did this. The first thing is with the 14 teams the and the marketing, the TV marketing with the playoff structure actually meant more money because there were less teams. The marketing deal was a little bit bigger. So it meant more money went to those 14 teams. So that was one thing. And the second thing is what Gamred Helas says. There are a few top class teams in Greece. This forces the playoff system over point farming with smarter clubs, smaller clubs. And that's it. And, and that that really is it. So it, unfortunately, this is the devil we have to deal with in order to try and salvage as many more pennies because that's what our unfortunate, you know, the value of our TV rights deal. It's pennies compared to other leagues. Huh. So it, it, we are stuck with this because this is the only way we're going to get more and more money. That's it is what it is. Yeah, I know that's fair. And I was actually kind of thinking that as well. Like, what are you going to have Levariakos and I don't know, Ionikos come up? Like, is that actually going to, is that going to really be worth it? Um, And as Costa said, if you don't, it's just like super short season. The season ends in March. Um, So I do see that argument, I guess. Um, But but you know, there's another thing, right? I mean, we were talking in the chat during the game and after saying oh, it's so boring you know of course it's kind of boring we've finished the league in december i mean there's nothing there's nothing to play for we're not boring for power yeah. yeah but when when there's no when, when there's a lack of competition of course it's boring but if it was tight you know neck and neck going into the playoffs of course you're going to be more excited playing those derbies of course they're going to mean more 
So it's, um, you know, it's, it's, you win some, you lose some. I think if the league was more competitive, uh, if there were more money, you might not be talking about players, but if it was more competitive, it would be more fun for sure. Well, and that, I mean, it goes back to uh, the young players. Like that's, that's the reason I want to be playing La Mia in April, but um, maybe that's just like a selfish thing. Are we going to see our genuine question? Are we going to see them for the rest of I, this year? We have us yeah. again. But you like, know what? I, I, honestly, like I did, I didn't expect him to make big changes today or to play Zolakis or have Surlis on the bench. I was waiting to see. I was like, player like Surlis isn't going to start a derby. It was like, is he going to take him on the bench? Is he going to give him 10, 15 minutes at the end of the game? It's like, we talked about this on the last pod. We're looking at some player that I've never heard of from Leicester City as a central midfield option. It's like, Surlis has been training with the first team for two years. He's good enough or he's not. If he's not good enough, get rid of him. If he, if you think you need to loan him, loan him. Like, why are you just leaving him, leaving him there training with the first team? If you don't play matches, you don't improve. So, and, and, and this is this is a problem that we have with our with our young talent. We've said it many times before. They have to go to Willem. They have to go to Holland, and then they come back and and they're better. But if they stay there, we have a real problem developing them or giving them the trust. We have this thing in Greece where we say, don't play the young ones because in Greek they say, we're going to burn him. So if you don't play him, you're not even going to fry him. You're not even going to you know, toast him and like get, how is he ever going to get a feel for these games? How is a player going to get in rhythm? A young player. This is the best time to play these young players. They've won the league. There's no pressure. There are no fans to egg on at anybody when the mistake is made. So when the hell are they going to play? What worries me, dude, is what is we're going to see the same thing happen that kind of happened to Martinis. Remember, we were hearing, oh, Martinis is the next. He's going to be the next uh, Tsimikas. And then we got Apostolopoulos during that, too, while he was still on the roster. And we're sitting there like, oh, wow, we have two, we have two great options now at left back. Then overnight... We cut Martinez's contract and he signs for free elsewhere. So I'm, I do not want to see that again. You know, it's either one of two things. What we're hearing is completely wrong and smoke is being blown up some of these players' asses and they're not that good. Or, (laughs) well, that's also true. Exactly. That's, that's why I'm worried about it. And then the second thing is, okay, he is that good, but we're afraid to give him a chance. It's uh, it is what it is. You know, there's there's one thing I've been trying to wrap my head around because again, I, I get frustrated when I look at the at the starting eleven at the beginning of the game. I think, oh, you know, same same old, same old. There's nothing different. It's going to be a boring game to watch. Um, take the goalkeeper for example. Christensen's a good keeper. Like his distribution's good. Uh, he nearly had an assist today. He's reliable when called upon. He's 31 years of age. He's not going to improve, but you know what you can get from him. And he's, he's a decent keeper. And I think, I think to myself, what the coach might be thinking is there's a real possibility that Jose Sarr is going to leave this summer. His agent's going to find uh, a decent deal. And I'm going to be going into Champions League qualifiers without a keeper. I've not heard anything about signing a goalkeeper, guys, for the last weeks, months. I haven't seen or heard anything. So what's going on? 
are we really looking at Christensen now as our number one option going into the going into the round of qualification for the Champions League if Jose Sarr leaves? Depends how Portugal how Portugal do as well in the Euros, though, because the Euros are in June. If yep. we start qualifiers for the Champions League in the first round, the first qualification round is the first week of July. So if Portugal get far in the Euros, they'll be playing till the end of June. Then those players will be on leave. So do we expect Jose Sarr to come back immediately after a Euro campaign, even if he hasn't played, and then get thrown straight into Champions League qualifiers? So no. I, that, that's why I think Christensen's playing. They're looking at him and they're saying, all right, can I rely on this guy when called upon going into these big Champions League qualifying fixtures? That's the only way I can justify that Zolagis isn't getting playing time. I don't understand how Zolagis went from being second-choice keeper on the bench every game and all of a sudden the league's over and he's not getting a game. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Man, I guess at least. I don't know what's going on with him. Well, so, I mean, I actually, um, well, un a bit unrelated, but I did my first blog for the uh, Gate 7 International site sort of about this situation. Of course, it was written before today's game. Um, but what I will say is, okay, sure, you want to see what Christensen can do in, in, you know, in a big game because we might have to play him in Europe. Why the hell are you playing against Asteras? What is what is playing against Asteras and not even getting a shot to come your way going to tell you about playing in a big game? Come on, man. Like he did he did well. Like Costa said, the last two games, I can't recount a mistake he's made. Um, he is good with his feet. I would say better better with his feet than Saw, potentially. Um, I would say that's one of the weaker points of Saw's game. Uh, he's not afraid to come out and sweep and use his feet outside of the penalty box. I uh, can distribute a little bit and uh, you know, he's, he's confident and, uh, and not good when called upon, but we need to see more of, I need to see more of him before we throw him out and say, you're number one. And I, when I say see more of him, I don't mean see more of him against Asteras. That is when you give Todakis the time that he needs to mature and develop because in those, that experience is going to be more valuable for the development of Todakis than it will be from learning anything about Christensen. You don't learn anything about Christensen in a game when he barely is called upon. Against Ike, he got into it a little bit more today. He was pressured. He, we, they, they actually had set pieces, like many of them, where he actually had to like think and position himself and communicate with the team. Um, he didn't have to do any of that against Asteras. We didn't learn anything about him against Asteras. Why didn't Solakis play in that game? Um, I get that maybe we would loan Solakis out next year. Maybe they're just getting him ready to be loaned out, but like, what is the what 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 is the worst that happens if he goes in? Come on, man. I I, I don't get that at all. Um, I'm happy to see Christensen against Yanina in the cup, maybe uh, in a seeming a reasonably meaningful game against a team that has given us some trouble. I'm happy to see him when we play Balk again, when we play Panathinaikos again. But like that other Asteras game, I don't see why Tsoulakis doesn't play, and I would love to see Tsoulakis in more than just that one game as well. Yeah. I I agree 100%. I, I said the same thing. There was no reason for Tolakis not to play against Asteras. I understand why Christensen would play in a derby game. I get that 100%. And I agree with it. I'm fine with him playing today. But there was no reason for Tolakis not to play against Asteras. But I have a feeling we're going to continue complaining about stuff like this until the season's up. Um, kind of working our way back. Talk about, mate. 
Well, that's true. <laughs> but working our way back to the game, um, how did you guys feel about the three four three again today? Uh, you know, we saw it worked wonders against Ike the first time around, and it struggled a bit today. Uh, there were opportunities, don't get me wrong, but it, there were some struggles. And when we saw certain personnel changes made, it really started to click. So what what were your takes on that? I mean, to be honest, man, like I get that Martins is trying out this new system and getting the players ready to potentially use this system in July. But I, you know, like I said at the beginning, some of the guys just like don't really have their mind on on these games. Um, we might talk about Fortunis later. Uh, I kind of get the vibe that Fortunis like you know, he's not really like invested in these games and I don't blame him. Um, maybe it's just his, the way he is, his body language is, is throwing, casting a false signal. Um, but like, you can see that in some of the players for me, um, maybe like Buhalakis as well. Like he's not, you know, wasn't exactly up to like top shape today. Um, and so I, especially that combined with the fact that he's playing this system with a lot of players who just aren't going to be playing in July. It's like, I don't. I, I'm not sure why you're you're doing this today. Um, Costa, go ahead. If you're playing a three-four-three, you need your two centre mids to be just absolute machines, dynamos in the mid. It's like Bukalagis today was off the pace for me. Really yeah. didn't get into the game at all. It was like he wasn't on the pitch. Um, I know we've been quite critical of Thiago Silva on this podcast. I thought he had a decent, if not outright good game today like he was on the ball a lot he was spraying the ball left and right i made a wonderful pass into i think it was andrutos in the second half like cut through the midfield and the defense and then andrutos got caught in two minds whether he was going to shoot or or square the ball and then that was a missed yep. opportunity but tiago had a good game um but really we saw the difference in the second half when him when when jan and via came on and uh and uh and the same like maddie came on i think towards the end of the game and you had those more dynamic uh, more dynamic presence in the middle of the park and if you don't have that uh then that it's a system that's you know it doesn't it's not as efficient so we've said it before you need the right pieces in that system to be able to play it um of course there are a lot of players on the team now that just they're thinking about next season. They're thinking about their next contract. Uh, they're talking about Bukhalagi's next week signing an extension uh, with improved terms. Um, you know, Madi Kamara's probably thinking about his his big transfer. So I, I don't know. Um, do we want to talk about Costas now? Or... <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's kind of it's kind of ironic because um, obviously, you know, those who won't who are listening won't know this, but like we had a big debate in our little host chat with Dambro. And uh, he was a bit critical of Fortunis. Uh, his recent performances have been below average, it has to be said. Um, but we had quite a discussion in the chat. Um, you know, folks in the comments, feel free to weigh in on what you've thought of Fortunis, not just today, but this season overall. I think we can all agree today. Uh, he wasn't really with it uh, very much. Of course, we don't have the analytics to back that up yet. But he was subbed off at halftime, and I, I don't really think that was a mistake, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, I think a lot of people are giving up on him, and maybe it's just listening to Nambro too much. But um, I, I have the—I feel that people are giving up on him, especially with Belhanda being rumored uh, for next year. A few things I will say is, like, first of all, uh, we've said it a lot, but 
you got to give the guy some time to actually get ready. Like this year has been really weird for a lot of players with playing last season's games up until August. Um, this year is, is different. There's a little bit of time off in June. Um, I, I think uh, we need to give him that time and see what he can do next year. Uh, additionally, I should say as well, I don't think Costas Fortunis is a player for Pedro Martins to use. I, I don't think like if Martins was picking a team of players, I don't think he would pick a type of player like Fortunis personally. Um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, we haven't seen his favorite four two three one in a while. Um, but I don't know. Costa, you sound like you have something to say. How many players in our team had an ACL injury last year? Thank you. How many players in our team had an ACL injury last year? Name them. Sudani, Fortunis. Kutris. Oh, no, that's Sudanis. right. Kutris. Kutris, Sudani, Lazaros. Lazaros. Oh, yeah, Lazaros. Fortunis. Who else? I think those four, for sure, I can just, remember. It's just those four. It's just those four. Lazaros, I guess technically he was earlier, right? Because he was part of the... the... It was during the Ike game. It was... Uh, I, 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 I can't even remember. But my point is... Four players last season had an ACL injury. Where's Kutris? Playing second division German football. Apparently doing really well, but it took him like six, seven months to get any games. Right. He didn't play his first game until December, by the way. He was on the bench for a long time. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Where's Lazarus? Lazarus playing for Atromitos. At a, at a different pace, at a different level. He's still got the quality, but the pace isn't there anymore. And he's 30-something. He's, he's 33, yeah. 34. Yeah. Sudani. Like he's a... gone too. And Fortunis, actually, he's been in and out of the team all year. He has featured this season and his numbers are good. He's got 11 assists in the league. He's a, he's a leader in the team in assists. And we're saying he's had a crap season. By his standards, probably had a mediocre season because we all still remember that season he had. His first season with Martins. That's the that's the benchmark. The benchmark when he was running through people with the national team and you know do, scoring Maradona Messi like goals. And then the injury came. But guys, I don't think he deserved to be taken off at the at the, at the end of the first half. Put put Fortunis in the team with MV in the second half. It's a different and team. And exactly. Different team. You you saw what happened as with those as soon as those changes were made. Look at look at how many different opportunities Bruma got. Now you can make the argument that Bruma was doing more off the ball. That I I can accept that. But look at the how the ball was being played with El Arabi and Jan Vila, right? Because Bukalakis and Thiago Silva. Look, Thiago Silva even against Balk had ninety four percent pass accuracy and completed almost a hundred passes. All right, but what came of those? Nothing. Almost nothing. Today he was better. A lot more going forward. A little bit more, we can say, um, not ingenuity. What's the word I'm looking for? Risk-taking maybe a little bit more, but not much. So him and Bukalaikis, you don't have anybody there. We had like a six, and I don't even know what to describe Thiago Silva because he's not a six, and he's certainly not an eight. Just like a misplaced 10. Whatever. Like, I don't even know how to describe him. So when you have two players like that who on a bad day or on a good day, they don't get the ball forward as well as Mahdi or Jan and Vila does or stretch the field like they do. It's it's already difficult. And then you have Hassan at 
you know, playing at the nine, playing as your striker. We already know what you get from him there. Unless he scores a goal, you get absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, look, I, I'm not going to excuse Fortunis' mentality today because it was unacceptable. The body language was awful, and you want to see better. But he wasn't the only one that played poor today. We've clinched the title. It's hard for them to get motivated for these games. Now, again, not, I'm not defending him. I don't excuse that his performance. I am just pointing out what we're seeing from him is not different than what we're seeing from a lot of players. And we can't ignore the production we've gotten from Fortunis when he's played less minutes than all of our starters, quotation marks. Mm -hmm. And he has the most production. Gustav brought it up. 11 assists in the league alone. Goals. Well, he, in terms of end production, he's only behind El Arabi in the league. I'm just going to leave it there. Well, and I mean, Adi, the last point that you said, like, I kind of said it as well. Like, these guys, they're not focused. He's not, they're not motivated. It's not just him. And it's like, it's not just Olympiacos players. Like, any, many players around the world, if they had won the league and playing in front of no fans in a game that literally means nothing, you just want to get out of there without getting hurt and focus on the European campaign that starts in like two months, guys. I mean, this is like, this is ridiculous, but um, like, honestly, I, I, it's, I, I'm not opposed to like resting Fortunis, to be honest with you, um, except for maybe the cup, like we could need him, but I want him in full fitness for next year. Um, I, I have some, you know, I have belief he's going to prove people wrong next season. Um, and even if he doesn't, like, he's still, even in the state that he's been in this year, he's still fantastic and good enough to provide a spark uh, against pretty much any team. And he's got the talent and quality to match up against these European sides. I have I have some statistics. Oh, go ahead, Gustav, before. Because I have statistics I, I, also for this. There was just one thing I, I would raise, which is how much money he's earning. So do we really, can we really afford a player that's getting cumulative contract i think next year he's going to be on 1.7 million and he's going to be sitting on the bench or is he let's see i don't know but that's a real question isn't it it's like why do we have such a valuable player that's playing like almost a bit part in the team because to me right now he's a squad utility player what i i really cannot remember this season a, a, a real stretch where he's played consistently game after game in a position to be able to say the guy has rhythm, like he's found it and it's going, it's just been up and down, up and down, put him on the left-hand side, put him on the right, play him in a three, four, three, play him in a four, three, three and stick him out on the wing. When's the last time we played four, two, three, one, we actually looked this up. It was like the beginning of March. It was like La Mia a while ago. Yeah. yeah it, was it was like the while. beginning of March is the last time we played a 4-2-3-1. And I think he started that game. He's a player that has, he's had to adapt a lot after his injury. Not just to, you know, this new, I mean, for any player coming back from an injury, you have to adapt. You have to you have to find the confidence. You might have to change the way you play. You you lose a little bit of strength. You lose some pace. You're never going to be the same after you've had an ACL injury like that. But he's had to adapt to multiple different systems. He's never played that role yeah. at Olympiagos ever. 
But I, I don't want to keep going on this conversation anymore. I um, I'm looking forward to seeing pictures of him on Instagram with his German coach before preseason and proving everybody wrong next season eventually. Likewise. And before I give you guys some stats, uh, there's uh, a couple of comments. First of all, from Lambro in the comments here. <laughs> Fortunis has to be better. Not good enough lately. Chris Oxford, I know it's his style, but it's difficult for a club like Olympiacos to trust someone each game with such little work ethic. Brilliant on the ball, but always like a Mesut Ozil level of effort. Uh, Roman Smirnidis, the fact that we won a 2-0 a derby could have easily been 4-5 or five, and we're criticizing players means that we have outgrown this league by much. Think about it. That's not lost on us, Roman, I promise you. But we, we have this discussion constantly. We're, we're in a completely different stratosphere than what the rest of the quality of the league has to offer. But that's why we compare what we have in Olympiacos. We're comparing with what's here. Can I address the laziness point? Because we've yes. talked about this before as well. Is, is the way he is, guys. The guy's a village boy from Calabaca. Like, what do you want from him? Like, they gave him the captain's armband. For me, that was a mistake. You don't put a pressure on a kid like that to wear the armband at Olympiacos. A kid that has doesn't have that character to be vocal, like, to, to encourage his teammates during a game. He's never done that. Why did they put the pressure on him to do that? He can lead by example by what he does on the pitch, but he can't be a leader in the sense that we want to see that person that's pointing, you know, to, to tell his player to mark, to come back, to encourage people. He's never, he's never going to do that. And we all look at him and we say, and we say, oh, look, he, he, looks, uh, he looks deflated. He looks dejected. He looks bored. His body language is poor. He's a village boy from Calabaca who knows how to play football. And he's an incredible talent. Stop asking things of Fortuny that just... No. No. Is he lazy? Was he lazy when he came on at Porto and was our best player? And everyone was thinking, why didn't he start? Was he lazy when he came on against PSV and he, he gave the assist for the Envia goal? Or the or the Hassan goal? Yep. Was he lazy then? Nope. Also, and not to not to draw away from uh, you know a future uh, piece that's going to be on the website, but for if you look at the master season Fortuny's had two years ago, and then the season he's had now, the work rate off the ball on the defensive side of the ball, completely different, much completely better different, much better this year. Which to me indicates that the the work off the pitch is anything but lazy. The, the time he's putting in to do that, the fitness that requires him to be able to run back and forth like that, it, it disproves that for me. And Gosta, go ahead, because I do have some statistics that no, I no, think... No, no, no. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't slagging off Calabaca. Calabaca is a lovely place. I've been there a couple <laughs> of times, actually. So, uh, no, no, nothing. i got no beef with Calabaca, man. Like, it's a lovely place. And young man, thanks, man. Cheers. I'm, I'm in my 30s, by the way, going 40. Thanks. <laughs> You look young, Das. You look younger than me, at least. Uh, so now here's some interesting statistics for you guys. Just to, it, compared to the team. I'm only comparing to other team members of Libyakos. Fortunis has the second highest number of successful actions offensively per 90. The only player higher than him is Valbuena. Now, in terms of goals in all competitions, El Arabi, Hassan, Masuras, the only players that have scored more than him. He scored more than everybody else besides that and they're all non-penalty goals by the way 
Uh, in terms of his expected goals, Fortunis is also the highest on expected goals behind the three that I mentioned before. Uh, in terms of shot assists per 90, he leads our team in shot assists. Now, shot assists is pretty simple. A pass that leads to somebody making a shot. Fortunis leads in that metric. Leader on our team. I can give you plenty more offensive stats. You guys already know that in all competitions, he has the most assists for our team, period. He's not just an assist leader in Greece. He's the assist leader for our team. He's also the highest in, in expected assists. So expected assists, remember, the number of opportunities he creates and the probability that in the last five years anybody has scored from those chances. He's he's making good opportunities on a consistent basis. Here, I'll even go into the key passing metrics. So I already brought up shot assists in general, passes that lead directly to a shot. He's the highest up there. Second assists, leads the team in second assists. So this is something that if you guys like hockey, I know you might like this very much, but hockey likes to track passes that lead to that next pass. Maybe the person that created the opportunity for that to get set up. Fortunis leads, up, leads us in that too. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Smart passes. We talk about smart passes. Uh, that's a metric. It's like a lot of it's through balls, but something that leads not just to a shot, but a dangerous opportunity. It can be a through ball. doesn't always have to be, but a, a, a smart, like a, a really good pass. In terms of the volume of them, he's one of the leaders behind. Now, on a per 90-minute basis, he's actually behind Bruma and Vrusai, but they've played technically less minutes overall. So you, could, you can make the argument that it makes them look a little bit better because that average per 90 stat takes everything and kind of simulates 90-minute bases, so it can make somebody look better than they actually are. But in terms of the total volume, who leads us in volume with smart passes? It's pretty easy guess. It's Fortunis. Now let's look at through passes. Passes to cut your def the defensive line. Um, Fortunis leads behind three players. Mari Camara, Bukalakis. Weirdly, weirdly enough, on a per 90-minute basis, he's behind Thiago Silva, but... I guess we'll just ignore that. And Valbuena. Fortunis is top tier for us. It like everything. And he is the top producer with a lot of things. So I, I don't understand how, how anybody can say that he hasn't been good for us. Oh, and key passes. Let me guess. He's going to be the leader for key passes this season. Uh, behind uh, behind uh, Valbuena. That's it. Uh, he's the or behind Valbuena. Sorry, no, he's ahead of Valbuena. So Fortunis is the leader for key passes this season on the team. All of these offensive metrics, he is the leader, and he's still not there from where he was pre-injury. So, guys, remember, this kid didn't have a preseason. Has have, If any of you have recovered from an ACL injury, even... Even those at the professional level have all of these resources. It can take a year for you to be firing on all cylinders. It's ridiculous. And yes, Lambro. Imagine that guy making fun of him in the Gate 7 International group chat. Insane. Yeah, Lambro. But this is, this is the point here. The guy recently recovered, like basically was recovering from his injury through the COVID summer, didn't have a real preseason. And with the little time was given, has made the most of it. Now, look, mentality-wise, I agree with, with a lot of you. We know he has a pretty rotten 
mentality. But coming back from the ACL injury, and I've been through two of them. I know. It sucks. It's difficult. And to even be remotely close to the production he had from two years ago is something in and of itself. And I can't wait for till he gets a full season under his belt to see what he does. Yeah, totally agree. Um, the the European nights in Baku and uh, and all these other countries this summer, it's going to be a movie for fourth Unis. I, I believe he's going to be big player in those moments. And uh, we're going to need him because of all the stupid qualifying rounds that we have to play. Anyway, um, we're almost at an hour, actually. So maybe it's time we get into the man of the match and coaches grade. I will go first. I'm going to give my man of the match. I'm not going to give it to Bruma. Um, and I want to thank everyone in the chat for not asking us if we want to bring Bruma back, uh, because the answer is actually still no for me. But anyway, I'm going to give mine to Andrusos. Uh, I thought he played very well. The reason I'm going to not give it to Bruma is because Andrusos played the full 90 minutes, or maybe did he get subbed off at the end? Whatever. He played most of the game. Um, should have had an assist, uh, if it weren't for the wet, slippery pitch and El Arabi falling over it. Uh, very good game from him always running up and down. We love Andrusos. He's been awesome. Um, very happy to have him on the team. So he is my man of the match. Um, <laughs> people are asking about Bruma now. Stop it. Stop it. Is there anything for Bruma? <laughs> is there anything Bruma can do for you guys to change your mind? Um, for me, it's value proposition. So as long as we're paying under $2 million, I can justify keeping him. That's me. That's me. If yeah. he sends us like an autographed shirt, to the Gate 7 International podcast, I'd consider it. Something like that, maybe. Um, but anyway, uh, my coach's grade, Pedro Martins made perfect changes. Like the the goal that put us ahead was Erarabi to Bruma. What more can you ask for? Jan and Vila. It's easy changes, guys. I mean, Erarabi and Vila, like obviously the team is going to get better, but he still made them. Um, however, he gets points off because young players do not come in for 10 minutes at the end of the game. So he gets a B plus for me. Um, Costa, I'll let you uh, give yours next. I'll start with the coach. I I almost feel like it's not worth giving me a coach's grade anymore. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of pissed that no young players played. Man's I'm on that, at this point. I, I, I'm pissed that Mario Brusai didn't get a game as well after the good performance he put in the other day as well. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it was a simple 2-0 victory against Belataglia, uh, Ajax. So pff, what can you say about the coach, really? is not really much to say. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to refrain, sorry. I'm going to refrain from giving a coach's grade in these meaningless games for the coach. Um, players, I thought Jolebas had another good game, um, barring a few times that he got may have got caught in possession up the field. It's just so impressive, man. Like when you think how old the guy is and how fit he is bumming up and down the field, it's just different class. Um, who else? Andrews has had a really good game. Got frustrated with him though when he, he got into, into position to actually get on the score sheet. And you're just like, mate, you're a striker for the youth team. And you, you know, you say you're a second striker. Fucking finish that. Like when you're one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, why are you looking around getting caught in two minds? Shoot, like slot it into the bottom corner. Um, I'm going to be controversial. I think Tiago Silva is my man of the match. He was busy. He was busy. What is happened? Oh, what is, where's Lobo? It's one of those, one of those games. 
It's no, he was good games. today. It's just like if you would have told me today, Tiago Silva, man of the match before the game, no, he I, I would have thought, oh, geez. Lombro's so, puking you, right I, now, wherever he is. I, I told you. I told you. No, I'm I don't controversial. Just, I, he was I good today. Be controversial. He was yeah. he was he was up for it. He was up for it. Like he stood out. Like he got on the ball a lot. He played the ball forwards. Like he was positive for me. And and Labro, yeah, you can pull your finger out your mouth now. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give Martins a B plus as well for the same reasons Peter said. And my MVP, I'm going to give it to Bruma. Uh, you know, he 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 has these like one in four games where he'll come out and you know he'll actually the the movement will be good and the stuff he does actually pans out. He does a couple of good things, so I'm going to give it to him. When you score two goals, it's kind of hard for me not to give man of the match. Uh, so I'll, I'm definitely giving it to him. Uh, uh, I I do love the uh, Roman Smirnis. Do you want Holebas for one more year? What do you think? I don't mind. He's not making a lot of money, and he's a uh, he's done a job for us this year. I don't, it's low low risk. One hundred percent. Don't have to think about it, guys. Um, even if yeah. he's in a smaller role, I know uh, Kutris might be back next year. I don't know if that's something we've talked about. I forget if it was brought up on uh, on the last episode, but. I mean, I think he and Oleg are enough, and then maybe Holebas in this role in the three, or uh, you know, just sort of being a, a total series role. Good point here by uh, Kostas Papadimitriou. So the club's doing something for um, for winning the league. So obviously, fans can't go to the stadium. So um, if you go to the Olympiakos.org website, you can buy e-tickets um to have let's say the digital experience of lifting the trophy i think it's going to be a bit like what they do in the nba where they can put like a a digital photo of your you know of your face where you would be sitting they're going to sell 33500 uh, tickets what is the capacity of karaiskaki for the game all the proceeds will go to olympiakos uh the amateur division to help support all the amateur sports that uh, that are represented by Olympiacos. So if you haven't done so already, guys, you can head over to the website of the club, olympiacos.org, and you can buy your e-ticket there for the fiesta that will take place. I believe it's after the Olympiacos Panathinaikos game. It will take place immediately after that. Uh, Gostas, thanks for, thanks for uh, bringing that up. Now, before we get into the surprise, we actually had a bit of a hot-button topic we wanted to discuss today, and that was on the winger situation here at Olympiacos. Because under Pedro Martin, since he's been here, we've had this dilemma, or it's not a dilemma, it's just an issue, where we seem to be incapable of properly assessing foreign talent, almost specifically, at the winger position. Um, so we were discussing this in our group chat besides Podence, who have been our most successful wingers under Martin since he's been here. And so we went through statistically and obviously the, the ones that come to mind, you know, uh, Lazaros, you know, when he was healthy was definitely one of our, especially with the end product, most direct winger at the time when we had him. Masuras, we've already been through the stats with Masuras since he's been here even though he's played the most, he still does very well. Really, the only person we argued might be better than him statistically was Fortuny. Uh, Vrusai, of course, since he's 
been a, given the time to play and the chance and the opportunity has flourished. And Bruma, despite what we say statistically, has done a job for us, better than what we've had in the past. So Bruma, we can put up there positively. Now, some of the other wingers that have come through that haven't done quite so well. Nahuel, you guys remember him? The the <laughs> the debut season for Martins? Ugh. Disgusting. Lazar Radejevich had a nice start and really, really has let us down. Uh, there's uh, Fefatsidis. Started, did well for Adis after he left us, but unfortunately, Fefatsidis, whether he wasn't given enough chance of a chance, maybe, but uh, yeah, Fefatsidis didn't really do a job. Uh, a lot of people didn't realize this, but during the summer of Martins' season, we actually brought in uh, Marinos to do what with? Does anyone remember Nothing. him? No. <laughs> and that's the thing. We brought him in. I didn't even remember. I was going through the transfers and saw him. And I was like, oh, my God, I completely forgot about this guy. I think now, he's, like, one is, I think he's oh, 19. I think he's yeah, 19. He's, very he's, young. he's on loan at Levadiagos this season. I don't know how he's doing, though, but... But yeah, supposedly Not, another big talent that we'll probably never see. Exactly. Uh, you didn't mention it. you didn't mention Podense earlier, but I know it was I know it was by. Well, I mentioned I mentioned Podense as one of our more successful wingers. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I, I put the successful ones, and now I'm going through the rest that weren't so successful as wingers. Uh, Gil Diaz, of course. What in God's name was that about? The wonder goal. Bruno, apart the wonder goal. Apart from the wonder goal, nothing. Bruno, we make fun of him all the time. The his uh, his uh, big thing for the podcast is that there's going to be a T-shirt about him. That's going to be his the, the biggest thing he ever did. We love Bruno. We do love Bruno. Emery Moore. Anyone remember him? The hell was the, num- what was the, the number ten shirt for our club? Ridiculous. Yeah. What was the point? What was the point? Now Chumich. Um, that one isn't really egregious because we knew that we were going to loan him out. We, he did well going back to his club and we loaned him back for that season. And he's actually, he's doing okay in Spain. Uh, I've already pointed out some things that he's done that I liked and the stuff I don't like. Now here's another one. Sudani. Now you guys are saying, well, Sudani did great for us, but not at the wing position. We brought him in as a right winger. And where did he really excel? Where did the most value come from him as a striker or a second striker? Now, his effort and his off-the-ball movement, every, it didn't matter where you played him. He was valuable. But he was most valuable as like a second striker, even a striker. That's where we got most of his goals from him. So that's what I mean when I put Sudani there because we got the most value from him not in the wing position. So why are we so bad? When it comes to evaluating these foreign wingers, and why aren't we trusting the Greek wingers who have by far and away been the best probability of success for us? Because uh, I can't figure it out. I mean, all, all I will comment is like Vrusai is, uh, I get he's recovering from an injury, but we need to see more of him. Yeah, absolutely. Like he he could be good enough that we don't need to buy another winger, guys. Like, I mean, I probably still do want to buy one, but. Rusai, this like I I see a world where this kid next season has like a top top season, breaks into the national team, 
Um, I think he has the capacity to be the best winger in Greece, like very soon. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Costa, I mean, when you see this, when you, when you see this list, right? And you see the Greek wingers, Rusai, Academy, Lazaros, born and bred Greek, played in the Greek league for every team, Masuras. Now, doesn't it kind of annoy you? Like we have another Academy kid that we hear wonderful things about in different media sources. We hear about all these other teams. Liasos, why not give him a chance? Look at look at what look at what we've dealt with here. Pretty much every foreigner we've brought in, besides Bruma and Sudani, when we makeshift changed his position at the wing, at the wing has not worked out for us. Don't get me wrong. I think looking back and looking at some of the names that were being touted for the winger spot. It was Gary Rodriguez for like two months. It was like, are we going to sign Gary Rodriguez? And I was pulling my hair out last summer when they were talking about that. And out of all the names actually that were that were touted, it was I think Feguli was in the mix. Like he's in the mix every summer. Uh, and it was Rodriguez. And Bruma's name came up a couple of times. And when when in the end Bruma was the one we got on the loan deal, I thought that's probably the best we could have got in terms of like a foreign import during that, you know, the, the, the height of the Corona crisis with, you know, no, no income from, for the season tickets, et cetera. So, okay, this could be decent. Um, I don't think there's any love lost at the end of the season. His numbers, if you look at them as pure numbers coming to the end of the season, they're actually quite decent. Again, would I pay 6 million for him at the end of the year? No, I would not pay six million to sign Bruma because I can sign a better player for six million or maybe two players for six million. So um just want to get that straight. I think for what it's worth, like Bruma's probably the best foreign import we could have got out of the names that we looked at at the beginning of the year. But what pisses me off is not just about the winger, is that we look first outside to bring mediocrity into a squad instead of looking internally at what we have as resources as you know players that are uh you know born and raised Olympiacos fans or in the academy we don't look at them and say what can this boy do for us before we go out and say you know I'm going to bring in a gamble a gamble player that you know hasn't proven himself anywhere it's like that's what gets me uh, and I want to talk about something that Lazaro said in an interview that he gave with the Betarades. And they asked him, like, you know, why doesn't Greece have attacking players like you? And Lazaro said, like, we do have Greek players like me. They just don't get the chance because we have this reputation for, um, you know, developing defenders. We're quite a defensive league. Okay, when Olympiacos plays against the other 13 teams in the league, generally they all sit sit back and park the bus. Most of them. It's not that we don't have attacking players. It's that we don't give them the chance, the young ones, and they get lost. And that's unfortunate. And that really gets me. Yep. 
now, touching on Costas Papadimitriou's comment here, Olympiacos is going to buy Bruma, making an offer, but six and a half, seven millions is a, that PSV want is a joke. In my opinion, a fair offer for the potential of this player somewhere between two point eight to three and a half million. So we mentioned this in the last podcast. Uh, we have it on good authority from our sources out of Netherlands. Love that we can say that now. Uh, and I've spoken, I have spoken to them myself and they've told me this, um, right now, PSV wants to get rid of his wages. And most people believe that they will accept pretty much anything to get rid of his wages. That's why part of the reason why I say, you know, under 2 million, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that given what we've been hearing. We'll get him. Uh, and then, uh, Roman Smirnidis, Dosevi, Pino, Yatabare, Martins, Ernani, Dermaz, El Yanusi. Place your bet, sir, for I don't know why. See, I wasn't even getting into the previous. I was just <laughs> talking about Martins. But if you guys were to go further to the nonsense we've gotten at the wing, I mean, it just makes the point even let's, let's more emphatic. Further. But we're not, we weren't even going that far. It was just under Martins, who actually has done slightly better than, than some of the other, the previous, you know, people will say so but again it, the, the point stands right now we've gotten the best production primarily I- excluding bruma of course from the wing position from the greeks not the you know and i'm not and some people say oh you didn't bring up valbuena we didn't bring him in as a winger we brought him in as an attacking mid and we have played him there because not nothing else was uh working out and and this is this is the issue i mean this has to be addressed Give more trust to some of these Greek players, especially the phenoms that were the phenomenons that we're hearing about. What's the worst case? They fail. We say, okay, goodbye. What what the hell do you have to lose, especially now? You know, look what it took to give Rusai a chance. The guy basically had to have perfect play for each minute that he stepped on the field. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Now, I understand. Look, Libyakos has a lot of pressure. We want to win, and if you do this at the expense of winning, it's your ass as a coach. But there's no risk right now. There's none. You already won the league. Who cares? We're not saying to play them in the Kipelo if you're worried about tying up silverware again. And, and this is the point. This is the point that we're trying to make. Very well said, Adi. And uh, as we begin to wrap up, everybody, I want to thank you all for listening, especially if you've made it this far. And uh, for folks who are sticking on live, I want to thank you for sticking around. I want to reward you for your patience. Costa is going to uh, announce the big surprise. We've teased it a couple times previously that we have something coming, and now is the time that uh, we're ready to announce it. Costa, take it away. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. If you made it this far, we promised at the beginning that we would be revealing a surprise at the end of the um, of the podcast. So, as we've been teasing, we did manage to get another player interview. So, to some of you, he's Greek. To some of you, he's Uruguayan. To some of you, he's Mexican. Some of you will remember an amazing goal that he scored against Brazil. Some of you will remember... That fantastic goal where Rivaldo Giovanni passed the ball back and forth to each other about 20 times and then laid it off to Castilla for a tap-in against our favourite rivals right now, Balk. If you haven't guessed it, guys, we got an interview with Neri Castillo. It's going to be a written interview. 
but I promise you the um, the input and some of the answers that we received to some of these questions will be subject for discussions. So that's a very oh, exciting yeah. one, guys. It's a very exciting one. That will drop on our website in the coming days. It will be transcribed into English and into Greek. So thanks for sticking around. We're really happy to have got that. Um, Ned is a fantastic guy. I love how the comments are going nuts right now. <laughs> this is why we do it live, people. This is this is uh, the fun of doing it live. Um, but yeah, as Costa said, man, Neri Castillo, like incredible player. And uh, this interview has some stuff that, like, I'm not even. You're not going to see some of this stuff anywhere else, people. So um, give a look on the website. We'll tweet it out. We'll post it when the the blog is up. As Costa said, English and Greek. Uh, so you'll be able to read whatever language you speak. And of course, if you don't speak either of those languages, you can translate as well. But uh, thank you again, everybody, so much for sticking around. And thank you for listening, uh, if you're listening to this on delay as well. So uh, really appreciate it. And um, I'm not sure if there's much else we have to say. I think that's maybe a good way to end it off. Adi? We're not done yet. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> we are not done yet. Okay. See you next time. Kalinichta. Kalinite. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiakos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiakos fans from every corner of the world bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL. Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Thrilos, he said. Stomialo kati majiko.